Today is day seven of our Bible reading. Our reading today will be from Genesis 31 through 35 today. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we enter into your word, that you would just humble us today. You would cause us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and just to rest in your reverence and in your power. Please grant us your peace today and your understanding of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what belonged to our father he has made all of this wealth. Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field and said to them, I see your father's attitude, that it is not friendly toward me as formerly. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hunt me. If he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if he spoke thus, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth striped. Thus God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. And it came about at the time when the flock were mating that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. He said, Lift up now your eyes, and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. Rachel and Leah said to him, Do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? Are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and has also entirely consumed our purchase price. Surely all the wealth which God has taken away from our father belongs to us and our children. Now then, do whatever God has said to you. Then Jacob arose and put his children and his wives on camels, and he drove away all his livestock and all his property which he had gathered, his acquired livestock which he had gathered in Padan Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. When Laban had gone to shear his flock, 
Then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob deceived Laban, the Aramean, by not telling him that he was fleeing. So he fled with all that he had, and he arose and crossed the Euphrates River and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, then he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him a distance of seven days' journey. And he overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream of the night and said to him, Be careful that you do not speak to Jacob either good or bad. Laban caught up with Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen camped in the hill country of Gilead. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and deceive me, and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with joy and with songs, with timbrel and with lyre, and did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters? Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. Now you have indeed gone away, because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Then Jacob replied to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I thought that you would take your daughters from me by force. The one with whom you find your gods shall not live in the presence of our kinsmen. Point out what is yours among my belongings, and take it for yourself. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent, and into Leah's tent, and into the tent of the two maids, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel's saddle, and she sat on them. And Laban felt through all the tent, but did not find them. She said to her father, Let not my lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the household idols. Then Jacob became angry and contended with Laban. And Jacob said to Laban, What is my transgression? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Though you have felt through all my goods, what have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen, that they may decide between us two. These twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, 
nor have I eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn of beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was by day, the heat consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock, and you changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, Surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, so he rendered judgment last night. Then Laban replied to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, and the children are my children, and the flocks are my flock, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day? to these my daughters, or to their children, whom you have borne. So now, come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. Then Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Jacob said to his kinsmen, Gather stones. So they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Now Laban called it Jagar Sahadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore it was named Galid and Mizpah. For he said, May the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from the other. If you mistreat my daughters... Or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness, that I will not pass by this heap and this pillar to me for harm. And you will not pass by this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his kinsmen to the meal. And they ate the meal and spent the night on the mountain. Early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. Now as Jacob went on his way, the angels of God met him. Jacob said when he saw them, This is God's camp. So he named that place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He also commanded them, saying, 
Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed until now. I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male and female servants, and I have sent to tell my lord that I may find favor in your sight. The messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and furthermore, he is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people who were with him, and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. For he said, If Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the company which is left will escape. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your relatives, and I will prosper you. I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with my staff only I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, that he will come and attack me and the mothers with the children. For you said, I will surely prosper you and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. So he spent the night there. Then he selected from what he had with him a present for his brother Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He delivered them into the hands of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass on before me, and put a space between droves. He commanded the one in front, saying, When my brother Esau meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong, and where are you going? And to whom do these animals in front of you belong? Then you will say this, These belong to your servant Jacob. It is a present sent to my lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. Then he commanded also the second and the third and all those who followed the droves, saying, After this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, Behold, your servant Jacob also is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. Then afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on before him, while he himself spent that night in the camp. Now he arose that same night, and took his two wives and his two maids and his eleven children, 
and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and he sent across whatever he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, so the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. Then Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and four hundred men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He put the two maids and their children in front and Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. But he himself passed on ahead of them, and bowed down to the ground seven times, until he came near to his brother. Then Esau ran to meet him, and embraced him, and fell on his neck, and kissed him, and they wept. He lifted his eyes and saw the women and the children, and said, Who are these with you? So he said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maids came near with their children, and they bowed down. Leah likewise came near with her children, and they bowed down. And afterward Jacob came near with Rachel, and they bowed down. And he said, What do you mean by all this company which I have met? And he said, To find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have plenty, my brother. Let what you have be your own. Jacob said, No, please. If now I have found favor in your sight, then take my present from my hand. For I see your face as one sees the face of God, and you have received me favorably. Please take my gift, which has been brought to you, 
because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have plenty. Thus he urged him, and he took it. Then Esau said, Let us take our journey and go, and I will go before you. But he said to him, My Lord knows that the children are frail, and that the flocks and herds which are nursing are a care to me. If they are driven hard one day, all the flocks will die. Please let my Lord pass on before his servant, and I will proceed at my leisure, according to the pace of the cattle that are before me, and according to the pace of the children, until I come to my Lord at Seir. Esau said, Please let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, What need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built for himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore the place is named Succoth. Now Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padan Haram and camped before the city. He bought the piece of land where he had pitched his tent from the hand of the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, for one hundred pieces of money. Then he erected there an altar and called it El Elohe Israel. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to visit the daughters of the land. When Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he took her and lay with her by force. He was deeply attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the girl and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this young girl for a wife. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter, but his sons were with the livestock in the field. So Jacob kept silent until they came in. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. Now the sons of Jacob came in from the field, when they heard it, and the men were grieved, and they were very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing ought not to be done. But Hamor spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. Intermarry with us. Give your daughters to us, and take our daughters for yourselves. Thus you shall live with us, and the land shall be open before you. Live and trade in it, and acquire property in it. Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, If I find favor in your sight, then I will give whatever you say to me. Ask me ever so much bridal payment and gift, and I will give according as you say to me. But give me the girl in marriage. 
But Jacob's sons answered Shechem and his father Hamor with deceit, because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. They said to them, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we consent to you. If you will become like us, in that every male of you be circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters for ourselves, and we will live with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us to be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and go. Now their words seemed reasonable to Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. The young man did not delay to do the thing, because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. Now he was more respected than, than all the household of his father. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of their city, saying, These men are friendly with us. Therefore let them live in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters in marriage and give our daughters to them. Only on this condition will the men consent to us to live with us, to become one people, that every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised. Will not their livestock and their property and their animals be ours? Only let us consent to them, and they will live with us. All who went out of the gate of his city listened to Hamor and to his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. Now it came about on the third day, when they were in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came upon the city unawares, and killed every male. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the edge of the sword, and took Dinah from Shechem's house, and went forth. Jacob's sons came upon the slain, and looted the city, because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks, and their herds, and their donkeys, and that which was in the city, and that which was in the field. And they captured and looted all their wealth, and all their little ones, and their wives, even all that was in the houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have brought trouble on me by making me odious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites, and my men being few in number, they will gather together against me and attack me, and I will be destroyed, I and my household. But they said, Should he treat our sister as a harlot? Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and live there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. 
So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods which are among you, and purify yourselves, and change your garments, and let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which they had, and the rings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem. As they journeyed, there was a great terror upon the cities which were around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is, Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan he and all the people who were with him. He built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the oak. It was named Alon Bakuth. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram, and he blessed him. God said to him, Your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus he called him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from you. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give it to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. So Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth, and she suffered severe labor. When she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for now you have another son. It came about as her soul was departing, for she died, that she named him Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died, and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is, Bethlehem. Jacob set up a pillar over her grave. That is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent below the tower of Edir. It came about while Israel was dwelling in that land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now there were twelve sons of Jacob, the sons of Leah, 
Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, then Simeon, and Levi, and Judah, and Issachar, and Zebulun, the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin, and the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maid, Dan, and Naphtali, and the sons of Zilpah, Leah's maid, Gad, and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre of Kiriath Arba, that is, Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. Isaac breathed his last and died, and was gathered to his people, an old man of ripe age. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Okay, so we have some opposition going on in Jacob's life today. Um, this is the last time that we will see Laban as he separates from him. So the manner in which Jacob does all this is very unusual, but he is acting according to his nature. He is a sneaky guy. He is a trickster. Uh, a supplanter, and so he sneaks out away from Laban and takes whatever belonged to him and tried to get out of Dodge, knowing that Laban was very upset with him. Because we see that Jacob not only did some sneaky stuff, but also um, God blessed Jacob's work. And uh, he gave 20 years of his life to this man. And Laban, as we read, changed his wages 10 times, you know, tricked him with Leah and Rachel. So Laban acted very deceitfully against Jacob from the very beginning. And this was a form of justice that uh, humbled Laban. Now, what was very interesting was how um, the Hebrew word for it is teraphim, but it's the household idols. So apparently Laban had some household idols. Um, they were likely small little figurines of female deities. And um, usually in that time period and in that area, they had these household idols as a means for, um, they thought that they helped with fertility, especially with the animals, as well as, uh, you know, they were kind of like a, a relic that you would pass on uh, as an inheritance from, you know, father to son kind of thing. And since Laban had married into the family, they were thought that he was going to be the next heir. But um, we don't know that for sure. But anyway, um, we don't know why Rachel took him. We, maybe she did it to teach Laban a lesson. I don't know. Or she thought maybe the household gods worked with her too. But either way, she pretended to be uh, on that time of the month 
And so she couldn't get up from where she was sitting mm -hmm. in order to hide these idols. And, um, and then Jacob didn't know about it this whole time. So he's like, what, what, what's your point? Why, you, why did you come after me? Why, what are you looking for? Obviously, I don't have anything of yours, so what do you want? And so then they end up making a covenant to where um, they will leave each other in peace and they will never see each other again, basically. Um, so they had one final goodbye and they went on their way. And then you see... Jacob is about to meet his brother after all this time. And Jacob knew this day would come, that he was going to come across his older brother Esau again and hope that Esau wasn't going to try and kill him for what he did to him in the past. Even though God promised him, and he recalls the promise to him that God was going to magnify and multiply his family, he still had his doubts. He still had his worries that things were not going to go that way. And don't we do that to God too? Don't we, we trust him with some things? But when it comes to other things that really give us anxiety, that we don't trust him with those things, and you see this struggle, not only a physical struggle with his brother Esau here, but you see him struggling spiritually as well. Because when you go to chapter 32, beginning in verse 9, he confesses where he is spiritually. And he says here, O God of my father Abraham and of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me to return to my country, and I will prosper you. He, he, this is where he, he starts struggling here. I am not worthy of everything you've done to me. I've, I'm not worthy of all this loving kindness and of all this faithfulness which you have shown to me. For with my staff only I crossed this Jordan, but now I have two companies. Deliver me from the hand of my brother Esau, for I fear him that he will come and take away everything from me. But you said that you would surely prosper me and make my descendants like the sea. So you see that he's struggling. He's wrestling with God. And isn't that what his name is? Wrestling? You know, supplanter? You know, he wrestles with God. And he remembered Esau's threat, surely, that he was going to kill him. But he also remembered God's promise, too. But it seemed like Esau's threat was bigger to him than God's promise. And at the same time, he recognized God's providence in his life. He recognized all the good things he did. He says, I came into Laban's territory with nothing except a staff in my hand. But now I'm leaving with two companies of people and resources. You have made me wealthy. So then he he makes this elaborate plan and tells these people to do these different things of you know make three or four layers of gifts before he reaches Jacob himself so maybe he can win him by buying him off so to speak or such with such generosity it will surely quell his anger 
And so then, at the, but at the very end here, we see something very interesting. We see him send his family over the river, but then he's left alone. And then it says, even though he's alone, a man is wrestling with him until the daybreak. This is not a normal man. This is what most scholars believe to be a Christophany. Jesus Christ himself wrestling with Jacob. And, you know, this kind of wrestling is something that we go through as well in a, in a spiritual sense. Because this is, this kind of wrestling is just that agonizing prayer, that prayer of just hopelessness where we're desperate. And we go to the Lord with, you know, just begging for him to, to do something in our lives. And you just see that with, with Jacob as well. When he's, he, he grabs a hold of God here. And it is a physical thing because you see here that, you know, God touched his thigh and dislocated it to show just how powerful he is. That he just had to touch him and he could do that kind of damage to him. So it's not like he, Jacob was stronger than God by any means. And then he said, you know, let me go. It's time, it's, it's time the dawn is breaking. It's time to do something. It's time to change. And you see Jacob here, one of my favorite lines in the Bible. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Holding on to God so tightly that while we can not really demand anything of God, we can hope and have confidence that if we ask for blessing, we ask for wisdom, we ask for strength, we believe God can actually do it. God is more apt to respond to that. And he loves when we have faith like that. And then we see this interesting interaction as well. We say, what is your name, Jacob? Well, your name's not Jacob anymore. Your name is going to be Israel. So he changed his name from being a supplanter, a deceiver, to Israel which literally means fighting and persisting with God. And because he says, you have striven, you have struggled with me and with men, and you have prevailed. Now, I like how God responds here. He's, because Jacob asks him, well, what's your name? <laughs> like, Do you not know who you've been dealing with? You're asking God to bless you. And you know it's God you're wrestling with. So you know who he is. Why ask for his name? And that's why he says it. Why is it you ask for my name? You know exactly who I am. So, I mean, I thought that was very odd that he asked for his name even though he knew who he was. And then we see this again where Jacob says, I have seen God face to face and yet my life has been preserved. Again, that same superstition that if you see God in the flesh, then you will die. Um, that persisted at this time. And we see that this is quite a literal, um, 
the act itself was more spiritual than physical, but it was a physical act as well. As you see here, he limped back to his family with from his thigh. Now, we don't know if this was a permanent disability, but it certainly was at the time after it happened. And then we see the confrontation with Esau, and Esau was nothing but kind to him. And then we see that Jacob still is afraid of him to some degree, and they he wants to get away from him, stay out of, out of Dodge. But you see a change. The way that Jacob is handling this, you see that something changed in his life. He finally matured in the spirit. God worked something in him that night, wrestling with him, and there was a breakthrough. And don't we love it when we have those breakthroughs too? God uses those times to mature us, for us to learn the lesson. And then when we learn the lesson, now you're ready for the next thing. Now you're ready for the next step in progression of your spiritual life. We need those victories. And the only way that we can have those victories is through trusting in God to get us through them and to be receptive and do the lesson he's given us to do. He will keep bringing us back to this same lesson until we learn the lesson, and then we'll be ready for more. And the, and the sad thing is there's so many Christians out there that don't get past these lessons because we're stubborn, we don't want to do what God says, or we don't stop to pray and seek his counsel. So how do we know what God wants us to do if we don't ask him? You know? That's important. So that's why it's so important that we spend every day in prayer and in reading his word so we can understand what he wants for us and what he wants us to do. Anyway, so we see this... Uh, final passing of Esau. We won't see him again, except after uh, Isaac dies at the very end of our reading today. Then Esau comes and helps Jacob bury him. But besides that, they don't interact um, for what the Bible tells us. They don't re uh, react again. And then we see uh, in chapter 34, we see the massacre uh, on behalf of Dinah. Uh, the daughter of Jacob. She apparently this um, this man Shechem. You know, saw her and and raped her, and it was not good. Um, but then he ended up loving her and wanted her as a wife. But um, and they wanted to intermarry. They wanted to become one united people with Jacob's people, and. We see Simeon and Levi, the brothers of Dinah, that act in a very deceitful way and trick them into circumcising themselves. And then while they're healing from that process, he's going in to slaughter them all. This was not the right thing to do. Totally. I mean, granted, I can understand their frustration and their anger towards how they treated their sister, no doubt. But this is not what you're supposed to do. Um, 
we have to leave room for vengeance in God's hands, not our own, because he knows how to handle it best. We don't. And in this case, he just they just swiped out a group of people and looted them and brought a poor reputation to Israel and his family. And that's why you see, as they travel back to Bethel, everyone didn't mess with them because they're afraid of getting killed by these two guys. And I always thought it was very strange as well that Levi was one of those people that did that. And yet his line is the priestly line that we'll see later on. And it's very odd that um, the one that committed these acts is known later as the priestly line. I thought that was just very interesting. And then we see in chapter 35 that um, they go up to Bethel. And I love what he says here, um, what he tells his family. He's like, it's like you're, he knows, remember what he called Bethel? He called it the house of the Lord. He called it like the gates of heaven. It, he had, there's specific significance to Bethel, to him. Even though I think at this point he understood that God was everywhere and that Bethel was just a place where God met him, I think it still held some sentimental and some significant value to him. So you see, it's kind of like his response to going up to Bethel should be our response when we go to church or when we come to before the Lord's presence. Look what he says, beginning in verse 3. He told his family, put away the foreign gods which are among you. Cast out your idols. You want to call it like that? Get rid of the things in your life that are separating you from God. Purify yourselves. How do we purify ourselves? Repenting, confession, going with the proper mindset into the house of the Lord. Change your garments. Put your best self forward. You know, give God your best and let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I'll make an altar there to the Lord. Let's go to worship. Let's go to worship him. This is the God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. He understood it now. He understood how serious this is. And do we see it like that? Do we see how significant our mindset going to church is. Church is not for us. Let's be clear about that. The church is not for us. It's not for us to, as my pastor said last night, to recharge our batteries. And it's not to make ourselves feel better. Church is for God. It's for, our, for us to humble ourselves and to worship our Lord, meet Him there fully expecting to meet him there so that he may be glorified in our lives. We also go there to learn, certainly, but it's not there for us. We don't go to church to make ourselves feel good. It's for us to recognize our Lord and worship him properly. Church is also for the Christian. Church is not for the unsaved because in the church... That is where we are equipped 
That's where we equip the saints, just like we're like the name of this podcast. We equip the saints at church. And then what we learn at your training academy, at your boot camp, which is home base, the church, you take that out into the world and you use what you've learned. You put your training into action and you make disciples of all nations. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just as we're commanded to do. That is why we go to church. God has commanded us to go to church, to be with other believers. He doesn't want us to be isolated. We won't learn properly, and we won't be obedient to God if we do not fellowship together. And then as we go to the end of um, chapter 35, we see Rachel have a very tough labor, and Benjamin, the final son, is born. And his beloved Rachel died in childbirth. And um, what was interesting is Rachel wanted him to be named Ben-Oni, which means the son of my sorrow. But yet, I don't think that Jacob wanted to end her story and her legacy with that negative note. So he names him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand or son of honor. You see, he honored Rachel through the changing of that name. You know, and that, uh, it was really sad that she had to end on such a note like that. But, um, so then we see the final number of kids, and all 12 of the future tribes of Israel will be there, and they returned to Isaac to likely see him one last time before he died, and then Isaac died. And he lived. He ended up living longer than Abraham did. Very interesting. Um, 180 years. And so, this is the last time we see Rachel. This is the last time we see Laban. Last time we see Esau. And the last time that we see Isaac. So, when we continue tomorrow, we'll go through some genealogies. Um, again, bear with me with pronunciation. I'll do my absolute best. And then we go into the story of Joseph. So, um, even though Esau was not of the chosen line, God continued to honor him as a son of Isaac by going through his lineage. That will lead to what we see in, um, in the book of Exodus, where during their travels, they have to pass through the land of Edom. The people of Jacob are going to have to, pa have to pass through the land of Esau, and things are not going to go very well. But um, you see origins here. It's very important that we understand these origins. So that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening, and um, I appreciate you coming this far with us. If I haven't scared you off yet or my voice haven't, hasn't annoyed you yet, then we're, we're on the right track. But we are making great progress. 
So in a couple of days, we'll already be done with um, the book of Genesis. And we're working at a breakneck speed here, um, but it is at a speed that is necessary. Again, this is not to substitute your personal studies, but this is a um, to just fully grasp the narrative of the Bible and to just expose ourselves to this word. Find areas as we go along each day to take note, hey, I really thought this part was interesting. Let me look into this. Let me study this more deeply. So hopefully these um, studies help to um, motivate you and inspire you to dig deeper into parts of Scripture. But until next time, I'm Ryan. Have a great day. God bless you. We'll see you next time.